T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Technology today has never been smarter. But smart only matters when you put it to good use. Together, we can build a smarter future for all of us. Let's put smart to work. Find out how at ibm.com slash smart. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the socks are doing. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. I know the Red Sox actually just played a game in Toronto. And if you tuned in expecting to hear how that went and get my snarky commentary about it, sorry to disappoint you. I'm in Santorini right now. Yeah, I know. Even broadcasters get to take some time off now and again. But don't worry. This is the week where we're going to bring to you something a little different. We're going to take a break from actually breaking down the games because, sorry, I can't get MLB TV or Nesson in Santorini. Just not happening. So what I decided to do was to bring you a little closer to the TV voices that you hear on Nesson. I know that this is WEEI and you hopefully know by now all about Joe Castig and a little bit about me, quite a bit about Sean McDonough, a little bit about Mario. Uh, Who else are we running through here? Dale Arnold, Chris Berman, etc., etc., Tom Karen. There's literally like a hundred different people doing this this year. So uh, we figured we'd get you over to the other side of the line, where we'd go TV instead. And you, you think you know someone like Jerry Remy, but do you really know Jerry Remy, the broadcaster? There's been a lot said and written about Jerry. Uh, he's gone through a lot, and, and you guys don't need me to tell you that. I'm not even going to ask Jerry about that. The health issues, family issues, it, it's really incredible that he still walks around with a, a smile, which he totally does. Fall River native, grew up in Somerset. You guys probably know this. Somerset High. Uh, Roger Williams University, did you guys know that? Not a lot of people, I think, know that about Jerry, because that's not really a baseball factory. But uh, played for the Angels, of course, played for the Red Sox. He was actually an all-star his first year with the Red Sox. I don't know if everybody's aware of that in 78. He only had seven Major League home runs in 2,300 at-bats, but... Five of the seven were off 20-game winners. He got Fergie Jenkins. He got Jack Morris. He got Mike Norris. He got Jim Perry. He got Catfish Hunter, which is all pretty impressive. But uh, more impressive to me has always been the man, Jerry Remy. He and I had a chance to work together a bit on Fox Television way, 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 way back in the day. Uh, You guys all know him with, with Nesson. And I'm sorry, anybody that's had something called Jerry Remy Day at Fenway Park uh, and that was done in 08 because it was 20 years back then uh, of Jerry with Neston. So now we're well into the 30s with that arrangement. And uh, I think you'll agree with me. Thank goodness that, that it continues. So without any further ado, and I can say it that way because Jerry is of French-Canadian uh, descent. You'd never know that from his current accent, but it is true. Let's get you to the conversation he and I had before the team 
took off for, uh, I guess, Toronto and Detroit on this road trip. Here's Jerry Remy. Enjoy. Well, on today's edition of Let's Check In With Somebody That We Don't Get A Chance To Check In With That Often, it's Jerry Remy. And I figure everybody would love that because uh, there's no one who's a Red Sox fan who doesn't enjoy the Rem Dog. As a guy, that, and I, I guess to kind of out myself, Jerry, and I, I hope you remember this, you and I probably worked together 10, 12 games years and years and years and years ago, uh, back when Fox would poach you and, and, and make you do games. So remind me, when was the first year that you actually started doing this or thereabouts? Uh, this I started in 1988. Uh, was the first year that I did Red Sox baseball. I actually uh, was finished playing in the spring of 86. I coached the remainder of 86 at the minor league level, and then I took a year off. I wanted to manage. There were no available jobs at the time, so I took a year off, and then this became available. And I wasn't that excited about it, really, when, when it became available. Um, I never considered myself somebody that would be on TV or you know, radio or anything like that. So, uh, But they convinced me to finally come in for an interview, and I did, and, and things seemed to work out. You know, it's just, uh, the, I think what was helped me was I was local, and I was, you know, fresh off the field. So I think right. those are the things that helped me. So it's hard for me to believe that this started in 1988. I'm going, I'm in my 32nd year of doing it. I, I just can't believe it. So take me through the, you say they called you. Who exactly approached you and how did they do it? Well, they, 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 they just, John Claiborne at the time was running Nesson and he just asked my agent at the time if I had any interest in it. And I said, no, I don't, you know. <laughs> And um, I thought I was going to probably go on to be a coach and then eventually a manager and hopefully someday at the, at the major league level. And, um, but then when they started talking about it, it seemed kind of interesting because at that point we were only doing 81 games a year, mm. half the schedule. So I, wouldn't, I didn't have to travel as much as I did as a player. I could stay home and watch my kids grow up a little bit. And, um, you know, then eventually the longer I did it, I got to do all the games uh, both, you know, 162 a year. So um, I did that for a number of years. Now I'm starting to cut back on the games, and I'm, I'm doing probably about 90 this year. So, you know, it, it's it's been a, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, really, because it, you know, if I had been a manager of the big leagues, I'd have been fired probably nine times already, and who knows, I'd have had to travel the whole country. So I've been fortunate to be able to stay home. You would have kept the long tradition alive, though, of, of smoking heaters in the dugout. I mean, you got Jim Leland <laughs> yeah. and all these other guys. That, we don't see that anymore. All these guys are eating alfalfa sprouts. Well, it's a good thing we don't see it anymore because those didn't do me any good at all. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a change for the better. The baseball in general has changed for the better in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So between 86 and 88, that one year that you just had Jerry time, what, what was that year like? What did you do? Well, I was kind of planning on what I wanted to do. You know, I, 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 I didn't, I was looking for an opportunity to obviously stay in the Red Sox organization. I just had to wait and see if a job became available. And um, unfortunately, there was nothing really available at that time. I did get a call from Dave Dombrowski. It's, he, I don't, he probably doesn't remember it, but he called me. He was with the Montreal Expos, and he wanted me to be a base running coach at the minor league level, like a roving instructor. And, uh, you know, I said no to that, I, you know, because I, I, I really didn't want to start traveling back all over the country yeah. in the minor leagues again after being in the big leagues for so long. So uh, I just basically sat home, did nothing, thinking about, you know, where, you know, waiting, kind of waiting for a managerial job to open up at the Red Sox organization. And in the meantime, this became available. So if you don't mind, I want to start the process of walking you through your partners. You've had some amazing ones yes. and, and they all love you so much, which tells me that you're doing something right. But uh, 
walking around and seeing Sean McDonough every once in a while now this year, I think a lot of Red Sox fans are like me. They just hearken back to a time when, man, that was fun. That was cool. What did Sean uh, mean to you, do for you when you guys were together? Well, the, he, he's the guy that brought me out of my shell, really, you know, because, you know, the first couple of years that I did this job, I really didn't know what I was doing. I had no clue. I worked with Ned Martin, who was great to break in with. He was a guy that, um, you know, he didn't jump all over if you made mistakes. He'd let you learn on your own. And But Sean was the kind of guy that would challenge you, you know, in the booth. He would question you. He would, you know, say, what's this all about? Why are they doing this? And you had to have an answer for him. Or if you didn't, you know, he'd come right back at you. Right. So, and he also brought up my personality, which I, I have kind of a dry sense of humor. And I never really came across, I think, on, on air. And, and he's, he's very similar to that. Yeah. And so, you know, he kind of brought that out on me. And he's the guy that eventually named me the Rem Dog, which is stuck to this day. And uh, he did so much for me. I know I'll, I'll never forget, you know, how much he meant to me and uh, what he meant for my career. Because I really felt like when he got in there, I turned a corner and I became a professional broadcaster. I never considered myself that until that point. Hmm. And uh, it was it was challenging working with him, like I said, because, you know, if, if he didn't agree with something you say, he'd, he'd let you know. Yeah, well, you'd have to ping pong back pretty quick. Exactly. Yeah. You'd have to have an answer for him very quickly. And so, and we got along very, very well, you know. And I've been fortunate, as you said, I've worked with great guys and I've, I've gotten along well with all of them. You know, there's nothing worse than being in a booth you know, for a, for a no long period of time with somebody you can't stand or you don't like. Right. It's uh, it's very unpleasant, and and uh, that fortunately for me has never happened. I've always been with people that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. The, I've always considered the play-by-play people who are fresh professionals in the booth. I'm just the ex-player that's in the booth with, with the baseball knowledge. But you know, the guys that I've worked with, they can do all sports. They can do anything. They can do football. I can do hockey. They can do basketball, baseball, everything. So I consider those guys the professionals. Let me move you forward to the Don Orsillo years, and I think that's when I probably listened most to you and, and just all the laughter. That, and, and obviously, you know, Orsillo's got the greatest laugh in the history of the world. You can't not laugh along with him because he's like wheezing and dying and it's just, you know, and all of that. So if I had to, I don't know if you keep a personal Rolodex of top 10 moments, but if I, add, if I had to ask you, pizza throw or boob grab, which is, which is the one that comes up first? You know, actually, neither one for me. Really? No, it was one day we were doing a game, and, you know, none of this stuff was staged. I mean, it just happens right. during the game. It's and, organic. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I was talking, I was explaining a replay, and my tooth fell out. It just fell out right. on the table. And he came up to me, and he started, you know, what happened and this and that and he brought out a they got up a toolbox and he was trying to put the tooth back in and I thought that was hilarious we had a we had a lot of funny moments you know maybe too funny for some people I don't know but uh, it was it was uh, you know it was just we kind of bonded you know after a while and we kind of had similar personalities mm-hmm. and there was nothing about going into a game and saying you know okay we got to make this funny we got to make this. it just things happen during a baseball game that are funny and they happen in the stands that are funny so we were both willing to take that and run with it and have some fun with it. But uh, yeah, the pizza, the pizza throw is right up there. It's still, they still talk about it in Boston all the time now. Of course. And um, we, we, had, we had a load of them. But it was, he was just fun to work with. You know, we worked together 15 years, and, you know, it's just always tough to see, you know, uh, some guy leave that you've been with for that long. But, you know, you leave, and then you get a guy like Dave O'Brien coming in, you know, who's the ultimate professional also. So... It's been, um, it's been a very pleasant experience for me. I've been very fortunate with the people I've got to work with. I do want to ask you about Obi, but just back to Don for a second. There's one that I, I don't know if you remember or not that I just saw on YouTube the other day. It's when he was getting on you 
for pronunciations and your New England accent oh. and, and talking to you about how you, you, you think you flew Delta coming into to whatever city that you were in. Well, he's not the only one. Everybody gets me, you know, and I can't change that. Well, say, say Xander Bogarts real quick. Xander Bogarts. Yeah, that one wasn't bad, actually. Yeah, that was I, I get sold for the Amiga Pit Zone, and I, I get all... I get, I get I get criticized about everything, but you know that's just the way I grew up. That's just how I grew up talking, and I wasn't going to be able to change for this job. It was hard enough to do the job itself without having to learn the English language. Right. So, uh, you know, people I think have become accustomed to that, and they do make fun of it. And and you know that's okay with me. It's it's it's, it's who I am. We're with Jerry Remy, dropping knowledge with with Jerry Remy right now. Uh, so Dave O'Brien and you now again, uh, just a wonderful listen, obviously, and. Uh, because you've had the experience of working those network games, and I believe me, I'm not super professional at all, but I know you worked with some other guys. I believe you probably worked with Joe Buck at some point or, or Tom Brenneman because that was kind of the bunch of us in that right. uh, uh, in those days in the late 90s, early O's. Uh, but, but Obi is just, a, a, as you kind of alluded to, the consummate professional. How's it been as you've gotten to know him and, and know each other's sense of humor? Well, it takes a while. You know, there, there's no question about it. As I said, I worked with Don for 15 years and we became very close. And all of a sudden he's gone and the new guy comes in and I didn't really know Dave that well. I mean, he worked on the radio side, but, you know, we didn't we didn't really communicate a whole right. lot. You so. see each other in the lunchroom or whatever, but yeah, not like exa- hanging. Exactly. Right. So, you know, it was a learning process, I think, for both of us. But the, the, the thing, big thing for me was the first spring training green we did together. We sat down, he did his thing, I did my thing, and I thought it worked right away. And I thought I walked away from that first game saying, you know, this is going to be fine. This is good because you used to work with the same guy for 15 years. All of a sudden, a new guy comes in, and you don't know how it's going to mesh. Right. And I felt very comfortable after the first game. I said, you know, but that's again what I'm talking about. You know, you, you guys are professionals. You, you you do this so well. You you know you know so many sports. You know how to set up your analysts. You know how to do things like that. So it makes it so much easier for a guy like me who really doesn't or didn't understand the TV business. Last one for you, because another of your partners, obviously, is Eck. And I, I think a lot of fans really appreciate when it's Obi and you and Dennis all in the booth at the same time. How enjoyable is that for you to have a, a sparring partner? I mean, he was a great pitcher. You were the hitter. You, you don't always see things the same way. But just to, as a casual observer, it seems like you guys play off each other really well. Yeah, I, I like it. You know, And I was never a fan of a three-man booth. I didn't like most of the ones that I've heard. And um, I think it takes a special combination. And I think, you know, you hit it on the nose. One's a pitcher, one's a position player. I think that starts it. But the other thing that's more, more important than that is we know each other for so long. You know, we've, we knew each other from the minor leagues through the big leagues. We played together as teammates on the Red Sox. So we kind of know each other's personality. I still don't understand a lot of his <laughs> sayings. Nobody does, says. yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like pair of shoes I didn't know what that was all about so I asked you know so you know but but there's a comfort level there and I think because it's a pitcher infield a combination I think it works and I, Dave does a wonderful job navigating it and the other thing about it is like there's no real big egos in our booth so you know we don't we don't fight for time you know right. it's if we get something you get something to say you say it and you just play off each other so i really enjoy it and i think it's a great broadcast i really do and i i, I think i think it may be one of the best in baseball i agree now, now to put a lid on it this podcast is going to be running just after the red sox have completed their trip to london so i want to ask you and this is kind of retroactive because i mean whatever we did out there it's already over but best vacation you've ever had 
have you, have you been, uh, I assume you've been to Europe, you've done a bunch of things. What, what's the very best vacation you've ever had? Uh, Xander Bogats' uh, country of uh, Aruba. Yeah, uh, really? That, that's the absolute best I've ever been. We, you know, we, we've been down there probably 15 times. And uh, I just love the island. The people are so nice. They're friendly. It's a very safe island. The food's terrific. The uh, accommodations are great. The beaches are great. So we try to get down there at least once a winter. And uh, unfortunately, the last couple of winters, I haven't been able to do it because I've been in treatment. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully, if everything goes well, that this winter we'll get back there. But I, I, I love that island. And probably the worst trip I've been on was to Tokyo. We had to go over there and play. I forget what year it was. Uh, we opened the season in Tokyo, and that was it really. Oh, it was awful coming back. You know, it was just. I mean, it was an experience going there, but coming back, you coming back. We had to go to Toronto, oh no, California first, and Toronto. And by the time we got to Toronto, everybody Spent. just totally wiped yeah. out. So, yeah. you know, um, in in London, I'm you know I'm 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 not going because it's not obviously it's not locally televised, it's nationally televised. So we're not doing it. So. The only thing I would miss about going to London, I think the only thing that I would do there is go to Abbey Road. I think that's the only thing, the Abbey Road Studios. I'd want to see that, where the Beatles made all that magic. Other than that, I don't really know. You'd be okay. I, I don't care. Yeah, yeah well, Big Ben is just a big clock. I mean, we got, we got that over here. Yeah, right? I don't, you know, I can find <laughs> clocks here in the United States. All right, great to catch up with Jerry Remy. Thank you, buddy, for everything. All right, thank you, Josh. All right, perfect. I hope you guys got a little something out of that, and uh, we will continue this series, if you will. We'll have Dennis Eckersley on tomorrow's podcast, and then we'll close with Obi with Dave O'Brien. This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate you guys. Talk soon. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.